Well, it's a new year, and whenever there's something new, we, uh, we tend to have hopes, new life, new year. I have, well, we have more than one hope, don't we? One of my hopes for this year is that my football team wins the competition again, <laughs> like we did last year. Mind you, my wife tends to point out, she said, oh, we won, did we? I didn't see you out on the field. And I suppose that's technically true because I was at home watching on television. Uh, and so I've compromised. I still say, well, we went, won. But if they didn't win, I say they lost. <laughs> and I think that's a pretty fair compromise. So that's one of my hopes for this year. Maybe it's... Maybe hope's not the right word because I've got no real reason to think that they will win. In fact, for most of last year, there was no reason for them to win. In the final match with 16 seconds to go and they're still behind, there's still no reason to, to think that they would win. But they did. So I suppose that's really a wish you know, we want something good to happen, and whether it's a hope or a wish, I suppose, depends on the reasons. And for me to wish Newtown win the competition again this year, it's, it's down this end of the, 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 the spectrum. There's no, there's no real confidence that they are going to do it, although I'd like them to do so. So I shall now take off the hat. But we have hopes, we have things that we look forward to and we really want to happen. And if we don't, if we don't care what happens, life's pretty bland and, and, and tasteless. But where it's really important is that when things are going badly, that's when we need hope. And hope makes a big difference. Now, we've got... The next one up the Simon, thanks. We need hope when we're afraid. And we need hope when we're alone. We need hope when circumstances are too much for us. Because if we don't have hope, we give up. And most of us know of people who have given up on life because things were too much for them. And one that we don't often think about, but it's just as important. When we need hope when we despair of changing ourselves. When the New Year's resolutions have been tossed aside and have failed this year, as they did last year, as they did the year before. When we're given into some temptation, some addiction, when we've got to the end of the day and we realise we've achieved absolutely nothing and we're thinking, I'm not going to achieve anything tomorrow either or the day after or the day after that. So there are outside forces that give us a hard time but there are also inside things. When we look at ourselves and we think, I don't want to be like that. I really don't. 
and I can't change myself. That's when we need hope. Now, when you think about hope and, and you know, in church circumstances, what do you think of? I'm looking for an answer. What do you think the Bible has to say about hope or, or what that's all about? I am hoping for someone to say something here from the congregation. No? Okay. I'll have to do it myself. Often we think hope is to do with after we die and that that's what the Bible means when it talks about hope. When we're dead, what happens to us then? That's what hope is all about. Well, half the time, that's the case. Half the time in the New Testament, hope is talking about our future after we die. But the other half is about the here and now and our hope in our daily living. So let's have a look at the hope for the future because we're talking that uh, we need it when we're afraid. We have different levels of hope and some of us are tougher than other people. And also, some of us have a tougher time than others. Some people have a fairly easy life. Don't blame them for that but others have it really hard. But no matter how tough we are, no matter how easy our life is, at some point we're going to come across something that we can't sort out for ourselves. And that's when we get to the end of our life. That's not under our control. It will happen one day. Hopefully for most of us it will be a long time away. But what happens then? How do we deal with the fact that, you know, we have to face God then? And we have to come to him and, and with all our rebellion, all our sinfulness, all the things that we've done wrong, because we all have done it. Is there an answer to that? Well, we've got this passage in Romans. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully looking, look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, the thing is, although we've been separated from God by doing the wrong thing, he hasn't abandoned us there. He hasn't given up on us. We have that hope of forgiveness because he has taken the steps to forgive us, to put us right with himself. And... Not something we've earned, it's undeserved, but we can take him at his word and we can be in a healthy relationship with him, forgiven. And it says, and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, you'll find this glory keeps coming up with the, when it's talking about hope. 
Um, glory just means... Glory is to do with perfection. If you see all the old paintings with the halos, the shiningness, that's what, um, that's what it's talking about, but being, having a, a, a perfect life, blameless, shiny like a new car, no, no marks on it. And God promises that the flaws in ourselves will be fixed. And we've got that to look forward to. So we have forgiveness. We have also another thing with the hope for the resurrection for the future. And that's resurrection. And from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We don't have to fear that death is the end because we've seen in the resurrection of Jesus that there can be life after death. It's proven. And so that we can hope not only for life for us after death, but to be reunited with those of us that we love who have died. But what about the hope for the here and now? Jesus never promises that the, that the circumstances will change. He doesn't promise that the cancer will go away. He doesn't promise that the family will hold together. He doesn't promise that there will be a job there for you that you want. Sometimes it will happen. And sometimes we can do things and the way we live our lives affect that. But he doesn't guarantee that the circumstances will change. But we do have three promises. The first is that Jesus promises to stick with us. From Romans. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for, our to, for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our first promise. We'll not be alone. He will always be with us. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what our struggles, he will be with us. Our second promise is this. He, Jesus promises to preserve us. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's the second promise. That it will ne we will never be in a situation that is too much for us. We may think so. We may think, oh, 
this, this will defeat me in the end, it might as well defeat me now. But we have that promise from Jesus that, no, I know exactly how far, what you can cope with. And I'll make sure that whatever's happening to you, it won't go beyond that. That's a guarantee. And so if we, if we give in to temptation to, to do the wrong thing, if we give in to despair, it's our choice. It's not something that we have to do because we have that promise that he will preserve us. He will draw the limit. And the third promise that Jesus makes is he promised to change us. Now, change might be, you might be wondering, gee, that's a long way away from hope, changing us. But think of it from the other side. Think of how we speak of people. He's hopeless. He'll never change. She's hopeless. She'll always, she'll always let us down. A big part of hope. Maybe the most important part of hope is knowing that Jesus changes people. From Romans 7, 21. This is, uh, this is Paul talking about how he looked at himself at self and how disappointed he is in himself. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. We sometimes we look at ourselves and we we let ourselves down. Obviously we also let other people down, but we let ourselves down. We can see that there are things inside us that need to be changed. And we can't beat it. We can't beat it. But our hope is this that Jesus can change us. From 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, the veil. The veil is the, the, what cuts us off from God. You know, that, that we can't see God clearly. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Jesus promises to change us, to make us more like him. It won't be, it won't be finalised. We won't be really perfect until we get to heaven. But we don't have to wait. Jesus in our lives, with his spirit working in our lives, changes us, makes us more like him, makes us 
more pure. We can look forward to changing and the things that we couldn't sort out ourselves, we have the hope that Jesus working with us will change us. Now, you'll see the diagram I put together here. The one up the top is faith, and that is purple. Um, the colours aren't really clear. <laughs> okay, and I thought when I got to hope that it didn't really matter where I, I put it because the circle's round, anywhere they're headed towards the middle, that's internal stuff. But no, it really has to go there because if you have the, the both, if you can put both of them up, please, faith and hope. Our hope is related to our faith. The way we look at God determines how we look at ourselves. Our relationship with God determines our relationship with ourselves. We uh, read that passage from Romans before about uh, how we've been made right with God and we look forward to sharing God's glory. That continues. It's not up on the screen. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Do you see, well, you read, I read that through the first time and I thought, I don't see the connection between trials and hope. But the thing is, each time we go through something hard with Jesus there with us, we learn, we, we develop our endurance muscles and we see that he has got us through that situation and that he has changed us to make us more like him. And so the next time something bad happens to us, maybe something bigger, we've got that experience as proof that he will get us through the next one. It's our relationship with God that gives us hope because he has done it in the past for us. We can be confident that he will do it in the future. We know how dearly he loves us. He will not let us be pushed beyond our limits and he will change us. So that's where our hope lies. That's where each of us uh, individually can draw hope from. But moving on to other people, how can we give hope to others? Firstly, it's because it's how we see them. I know someone who um, very upset with something that someone said 10 years ago, not to them. But they're furious because they can't imagine that person changing. 
How do we see the people around us? They're hopeless, they'll never change. Or do we realise the possibility that they can change with Jesus in their life? Doesn't mean that they will. But it makes a big difference about whether we accept the possibility that they will change. The second thing we can do to spread hope, we can share what God has done in our lives. Now this can be very embarrassing. I mean, with our family, with our church friends, we like to put up a front. We like to pretend that we're already a finished work and that we're already perfect and we don't like to admit otherwise. That's especially hard for parents. It is really hard for parents to admit to their children that they were wrong. But I'll tell you this for nothing, they'll eventually work it out themselves. We have to be honest and we can, sh- we can give hope. For a, for a child who's worried that they, they never seem to learn anything at school or that they're wetting the bed when the friends have all stopped, whatever happens to be getting them down, it's good if a parent can say, well, you know, I found it really tough as a kid too but it worked out all right. It gives them hope, hope of change. And it's the same in the church. It's good to know that the, the people out front, the, the other people around you, haven't always been the same, but God has been working in their lives to change them And that can be embarrassing. That's where, that's where love comes in. We have to think of what helps them rather than what preserves our image. So giving hope often means being honest about ourselves and showing how we've changed. The really embarrassing bit is if you then stuff up in an area we've just been saying that you had it all together. The third thing, the third thing we can do to share hope is to give an explanation of our hope. And uh, 1 Peter 3 says that. And, oh, there it is. Okay. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We have to be prepared to say, this is what my hope is based on. I don't fear the future because God is on my side. He has taken steps to buy me back and to to put put me right with him. And he can do the same for you. He will preserve me and he will change me. 
Notice it says, if someone asks about your hope, you don't even have to go knocking door to door, I've got some hope, would you, you know, here, let me tell you about it. No, if we are living lives of hope, if we are a church that exhibits hope, then people will come to us because everyone needs hope. And if they don't have it and they see it, they will want it. They will come and they will ask us. So we have to be ready to explain why we have that hope. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Do we have hope? Yes, we have hope because Christ can live in us. And that gives us all the hope we need. Uh, I'm going to close with a prayer, and that's just, it's one more Bible verse, but also from Romans. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill us completely with joy and peace because we trust in him. Then we will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.